Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. What's up, Propel Church? Pastor Nick here. I want to say welcome to Propel. If this is your first time, we want you to know that we consider you a special guest and we would love to connect with you today. So do us a favor, be sure to stop by the new Here Lounge on your way out. We've got a gift that we'd love to give you as a way of saying thanks for being with us this morning. Now today I am teaching at Forward Church in Mooresville with Pastor Hassani Latif and I am so excited to be there because I know that God has something special in store for you. Today you're going to get to hear a word from our student director Mike Moore. Now, parents, if you have uh, middle and high school students, we are getting ready to kick off a new group semester, and this is a great time to partner with Mike and help your kids grow in their faith. But we've also developed a three-day devotional resource that Mike has written, and we want to give it to you today free of charge. So you can go to propel.church devo and find that. Mike has been serving with us here at Propel for quite some time. If you've been around, you know you've heard Mike teach before. He leads our students. He is an incredible husband to Hannah and their kids. And I am so blessed that you have a chance to hear from him today. So church, won't you do me a favor? Put your hands together and help me welcome Mike Moore. Good morning. How are we doing? I love that even when Pastor Nick isn't here, he has nice things to say about me. So that's, that's always a good thing. Um, seriously though, uh, Pastor Nick and Tori are amazing leaders and I just wanna take a minute to honor them and thank them for all they do, not just for our church, but for our community and how they just serve others so selflessly. So can we just give it up for Pastor Nick and Tori? As he said, my name is Mike and I am privileged to be the student director here. and. Uh, we're gonna be talking about family today. And I thought, what better way to start off than introducing my family? I think we have a picture to, to show. Um, that's my beautiful family, my, my wife, Hannah. Um, we've been married for nine years, together for 11. Uh, one of the first things I told her when we met at a restaurant we used to work at together was, hey, I'm gonna marry you one day. And uh, yeah, that's what she said, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, right? Uh, and in fact, I finally convinced her to go on a date with me, but she didn't call it a date. Like she wouldn't go to dinner, it was lunch. She wouldn't let me pick her up, she met me there. I, she wouldn't even let me pay for her food, y'all. The only reason she met me for lunch was to tell me all the reasons why she would never date me, right? This was, this was like before Mike knew Jesus. And so there was some pretty legitimate reasons why she didn't wanna date me. Um, but y'all see how that turned out. Your boy had some game back in the day, so. Um, <laughs> We have our, our oldest, the, my girl there the, right in front of Hannah is Sawyer. She turned seven this year. She is one of the uh, most compassionate, kind-hearted, most willing to serve people I've ever met. Um, my other daughter, Reagan, she turned five this year. She started kindergarten, so she is a big girl. She's my firecracker, y'all. She, she looks like her mama, but she acts like me. She's wild, um, super sweet, loves to cuddle, but will drop kick you in the teeth in a heartbeat if you, if you cross her wrong. Um, and then the dude there in the middle, he doesn't look super happy right there. Um, 
Lincoln. Lincoln is our son. He's two. He is hilarious. Um, before we had kids, everybody was like, oh, you're having a boy. Just wait. They're wild. I was like, don't you speak that over my family? Like, no, I rebuke that. Our girls are calm and quiet and soft-spoken. They're going to lead him. They're going to they're show him the ways, right? Um, we were wrong. <laughs> Dude is bananas. He gets into everything. He is a tiny destroyer. But man, he, he is like, he brings so much joy to our family. He loves making people laugh. Even at two, he'll just do like something and he'll, he'll give you this look like, are you gonna laugh? And then you laugh and then he laughs and now we're laughing. And so he just like, just brings so much joy and laughter into our family. And um, although you can't completely see him yet, baby number four, another boy will be here November 6th-ish. And so we've got another uh, more person joining the the tribe, and so we're excited for that. Um, kids are funny though, right? Because like, they'll do something that's like kind of a jerk move, and it's like, that was kind of annoying. Like, where'd you learn that? And if you're like, oh wait, they, they learned that from me, right? So I love how God will, will use our kids to show us some of the worst things about ourselves while also uh, showing us the love and the grace and the mercy that he gives us. And so like, children are such an, an amazing reflection of the gospel of Jesus. Um, and, and what I know and what I believe is that that's not just for my family. I believe we all have family members and people that we love that reflect the gospel of Jesus. In fact, Genesis tells us that, that we were all made in God's image. And so it only makes sense for that, right? Today, I believe that uh, when we equip our families uh, to live that out, to live out the reflection of Jesus, it will help us um, advance God's kingdom, it will help us um, to, to live in ways that are greater than we could ever imagine. And so today I wanna to present to you what it looks like to build a foundation for your family that's rooted in Jesus. And I know what you're saying, man, that is a young, snappy looking guy up there. What does he know about families? Um, I'm learning, so this isn't coming from like, hey, I've got it all together. This is coming from the experience that I have and, and just the, the amount of things that Jesus has taught me throughout this. And so I want you guys to, to join Join with me in this um, and just be um, open-minded. Even if you're not a parent, even if you're not yet married or you're just single or whatever the stage of life you're in, I, I believe that there are some practical things in today's message that apply to all of us. And so I would just venture and, and request that you don't check out immediately because you're not a parent or whatever the case may be for you. And so to be starting off, we're gonna be in the book of Colossians and Paul is talking about growing in wisdom and in knowledge and, and how Jesus is the head of the, the body, he's the beginning, right? But then he's talking about how there are a lot of false teachings and there are a lot of distractions that are trying to pull the people away from Jesus. And these are people that are in the church that have already given their lives to Jesus and he's talking about these distractions. Come on, we all know there's a lot of distractions in our world and our culture right now that are trying to replace Jesus in our lives. And picking up in chapter two, verses six and seven, it says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I believe that we need to grow our families in a way that takes root in Jesus. Think about when we, when we plant a plant, the, the root system is, that's what it's all about, right? If you don't have strong roots, then you're not gonna have a healthy plant that produces good fruit. In the same way, we have to have our roots rooted in Jesus so that way our kids and our family and ourselves can be producing the fruit for the world to see that points back to Jesus. We need to set our families on solid ground. Are you guys ready? 
All right, awesome. Come on, 9 a.m., are we ready? All right. If you're taking notes, I believe that building a family foundation requires us to allow transformation in our life, to be aware of our influence, and intentional with our time. All right? So the first thing to write down, write down this, I'm going to allow transformation in my life. Going back to that verse in Colossians again, uh, chapter two, verse six, it said, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. We have to make a daily choice to continue following Jesus. Just like accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior is a choice, so is the continual pursuit of him. The, to continue seeking Jesus through prayer and, and, and reading your Bible, but, but not just to do it, but from a desire to actually be transformed by him, to be more like him and less like ourselves. Yeah. I think oftentimes we, we get in the busyness and the hecticness of the day, and it's like, man, we gotta, we gotta get going, we gotta get the kids to school, we gotta do this, I gotta get to work. And so we, like, we pull up our phone and we're like, okay, Bible, okay, cool, verse of the day, okay, cool, now we're done, all right, marked it off my list, right? I think it's really easy to be like the Pharisees in times of, of busyness where we're, we're praying when others are around and we're reading our Bible and, and we're going to church and we're, we're doing it to kind of check off this box. And don't get me wrong, those aren't bad things, but if we're not doing them out of a desire to be more like Jesus, to be transformed by him, then we're just talking about behavior modification, not heart transformation. So we have to make sure we're doing it with the right intentions. In Luke uh, chapter nine, uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples and uh, in verse 23, he says, "Um, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Notice it doesn't say pick up your cross and follow me and deny yourself. I may be reading into this a little too much, but I think Jesus was really intentional about the order that he gave the disciples. Think about when we're giving our kids directions, how the order is important. We tell our kids, hey, hey kids, run, get in the car, put your shoes on and go to church. We're gonna have a lot of kids rolling around here barefoot. Cause they're gonna run to get in the car like we told them and they're gonna be like, where are my shoes? Mom, where are my shoes? You said to go to the car and put my shoes on, right? No, 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 hey, put your socks and shoes on, go get in the car and we're gonna go to church. The order is important. Yes. It's really hard to, to allow for transformation in our life if we're not willing to first lay down our own fleshly desires and thoughts and temptations. We have to deny ourselves in order to be transformed. Now, no, no, don't get me wrong. We're not the ones that are doing the transformation. Only God can do that, but we have to be willing to set down our own desires in order to be transformed. Picking up our cross daily is just another way of saying that we acknowledge that, that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And because of that, we're choosing to lay those things down. We're choosing to let those things die to ourselves so that we can walk in the freedom that only Jesus offers. Paul talks about this even more when he's writing to the church in Ephesus. Um, in Ephesians, he's, he's um, telling the church to, hey, put, put off your old selves and put on your new selves. We, we have to be willing to, to take action. Paul's not talking about this works-based faith. He's talking to believers. The salvation's already there. The, the penalty from sin has already been covered by Jesus. But what he's saying is, hey, we have to choose to put on this newness that's offered to you every single day. Just like we choose to put on our clothes and our shoes, we have to choose to put on and to walk in this newness that Jesus offers. We have to to choose to pursue him and in doing so, we'll become more like him. Y'all with me? 
I love this because King David already knew this. King David was a man after God's own heart. He was always um, having these really just heartfelt prayers with God. And, and in uh, Psalm 139, 23 through 24, he prays such a powerful prayer. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David, throughout the course of Psalm 139, had just been talking about how God knows him so well, how he was formed in his mother's womb, how he knows his thoughts and his words before they're even formed and spoken in his mouth. He's like, hey, God, you know me better than I know myself. But he's still saying, hey, God, search me. Search my heart and then point me into the way of everlasting. He's, he recognizes that, hey, God already knows me, but he's not gonna force himself on me. He's, he's waiting for me to acknowledge that the transformation is done by him, but I have to allow for that to be, be happening in my own life. I have to say, hey, God, search my soul, God. Like, search me, oh Lord, right? This is a process of constantly checking on yourself as you draw closer to Jesus. It's something that we must allow the Holy, the Holy Spirit permission to do in our lives, right? He knocks, but we have to open the door and let him in, right? I believe that, that we're, we're not willing to do this for ourselves. Not only are we not gonna experience the best that God has for us, but we're not gonna be equipped to help our families navigate through life in moments of difficult times. The first step in creating a healthy foundation for our family is to allow for transformation in our own life. Second thing I have for you to write down is this. I need to be aware of my influence. Today's culture and social media will lead us to believe that if you don't have a big enough platform, you can't be an influencer. And I'm here to tell you that is a lie. That is a bold face lie. You have more influence than you can ever imagine. You have influence over your, your spouse, your kids, the people you work with, your neighbors, the barista at your favorite coffee restaurant. I remember years ago before kids, we, we would go out, you know, we would go to Concord Mills. I don't ever go there now. It's, too crazy, right? Kids, there's just too much going on. But we were, I was like, man, I want a coffee. Starbucks smells so good. So I go into Starbucks and they're packed, you know, again, pre-COVID. So we're packed in there like sardines, everybody trying to get their fix, you know? And so I'm in line and uh, I get to the front and it's my turn. And the guy's like, hey, what can I get for you? I'm like, hey man, how are you today? And he just stopped and like, again, pre-COVID. So there was no mask. You could see the expression on his face. And he was like, I, I'm, I'm good. He's like, I've, I've been here all day and, and no one's asked me how I'm doing. She's like, I was just being polite, you know? Like, he's like, well, I'm doing pretty good, but can I buy your coffee? It's like, no, you don't have to do that. He's like, no, I want to. Like, you actually cared enough to ask how my day was going. Let me buy your coffee. And I was like, okay, great. Your coffee's expensive. So that, that works out well, right? And, and, and it just made me realize that I wasn't doing anything like crazy, right? I was just being polite. But what it made me realize is that how we carry ourselves, the words we speak, how we respond influences the people around us. But here's the thing, with influence, we have it, right? But there's good influence and there's bad influence. Proverbs says it like this in chapter 13, verse 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Every time I've ever read that, I'm like, okay, cool. So I need to walk with wise people. I need to hang out with smart people who make good choices. And if I don't, there's gonna be harm on me. But as I was reading this and preparing for this message, God showed me something like from a different perspective. And maybe I'm just slower than everybody else. Maybe you've seen this before, but, but for me, I was like, okay, so if I'm, if I'm making foolish choices, if I'm, I'm the foolish one, then those that walk with me, i.e. my family, are gonna suffer harm. 
But if I'm living in God's wisdom and knowledge and walking the way God wants me to live, those who walk with me, i.e. my friends, my family, will also become wise. And so it was just like this really cool thing that God showed me that I have influence on how others perceive themselves and how they, I guess, draw closer to God. You have more influence than you think. You may not be a brand ambassador for Tesla, but you influence how other people view the church and how other people view Jesus maybe before they even have a chance to know him for themselves. That matters. That is influence. On uh, on Father's Day, Pastor Matt said it like this, more is caught than taught. And I think there is so much truth as that relates to our kids. My, uh, my time with Jesus is, is, looks different depending on the season. Now that school started, it's kind of after they leave for school before work, but over the summer it would be before anybody wakes up, I would go down and have my coffee and I would read and I would, I would pray and I would be doing these things. And, and then normally my kids would come down and I would either be finishing up or you know, you know, my Bible and my coffee and they would see my journal. And I wouldn't try to make it some like crazy thing like, like hey, come here, let me preach to you kids. Like you just woke up, you know, let me tell you about Jesus. Like, Kids don't want to do that when they first wake up, right? They want to play with their toys. And so just let them do their own thing. And, and one day my uh, five-year-old was hanging out with one of her friends in the neighborhood and I had left my Bible on, on the sofa next to where I sit. And the, the kid was like, hey, what's this? And Reagan, she was only four at the time. She was like, oh, that's my daddy's Bible. It, it's, it's the stories about Jesus and how he died on the cross and how he loves us. And the kid was like, is it true? She was like, yeah. He was like, no, it's not. She was like, yeah, yeah, it is. Jesus died on the cross and he loves us. Y'all, I was around the corner and I just happened to experience this and to hear my four-year-old like, like stand up for the Bible and be like, yo, it's true. Not only is it true, God loves you. He died on the cross for you. Like, yo, that was like the most like, like I could have died then and be like a happy dude. You know what I mean? Like that was just like one of the most like monumental moments in my life. And, and it's like, we'd, we'd ridden, uh, ridden hadn't written stories. We had, we had gone through the stories with her. We had read stories with her before. She's been to church, right? Like she's learned those stories. But I believe that all of that was reinforced by her actually seeing me practice what I preach. Right. When our children see us actually spending time and experiencing God for ourselves, they realize that it's more than just something we're telling them to do. Right. I think we tell our kids all the time, hey, actions speak louder than words, but how often are our actions not pointing them to Jesus. When they're getting on our nerves, when they're back talking, when they're having trouble expressing their emotions, because after all they're human and they have emotions, but they have less experience in life on managing those emotions than we do. Are we being gentle and compassionate and full of grace with them? Or are we lashing out in anger and frustration because they can't get it together? Are we expecting them to be patient with us even though we're not showing them how we can be patient with them? Let's be aware of our actions and our reactions and how they view Jesus because of that. Let's talk about marriage for a second. You wanna talk about influence? In Ephesians 5, 22 through 32, Paul is talking about the correlation between a husband and wife and how it represents Christ in the church. It doesn't get any more influential than that, guys. Like, Paul's talking about how wives should submit to their husbands the way they do for the Lord and and how uh, husbands should love their wives the way Christ loved the church. And then in verse 31, it says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So I say again, each man must love his wife 
as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Marriage is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. The question is, let's ask ourselves, is my marriage representing that in a way that is true? Our marriage is influential on how others view the church, and how I treat my spouse is a direct representation of how my kids will eventually view the church. Because scripture is clear. You wanna go deeper than that? Two people? Okay, some of y'all are already, toes are hurting already and I haven't even gotten to the good part. Our words influence the way our spouse views themselves. Husbands, let me talk to you for a second. The enemy that whispered lies and deception into Eve's ear is still whispering lies and deception into your wife's ear. The enemy that whispered lies and deception into Eve's ear is still whispering lies and deception into your wife's ear. Things like you're not pretty enough, you're not thin enough, you're too thin, you're not a good mom. If you were a good mom, you wouldn't have done this, or if you were a good mom, you would have done this. If your husband really cared for you, would he have really done that? Guys, we have to pray for her soul, pray for her wisdom and discernment to to combat those lies of the enemy. Because guys, it's happening. We see it in scripture. And although the enemy is crafty, he's not that smart. He's running the same game plan that he has been from the beginning. We know it. We just have to be able to be aware of it and protect our spouse from it. I believe that um, sometimes the things we do as spouses and, and, and husbands, I'm still talking to you. Sometimes the things that we do or say actually feed the lies of the enemy without us realizing it. Let me show you what I mean. I, uh, used to do this all the time until my wife finally was like, hey, we gotta talk, Um, which is always fun, right? I would come downstairs from working or I would come home uh, from the office and be like, man, this house is a wreck. I wasn't saying it like as a shot at my wife, like, yo, woman, why haven't you cleaned the house? It was just like, man, I'm, I'm I'm just acknowledging the fact that there's mess everywhere, right? Not realizing what was happening. But, but what I didn't realize is that my wife had spent all day working from home, like her actual job, while raising three kids which consists of, of breakfast, morning snack, lunch, afternoon snack, nap time, and then all of like the hundreds of thousands of questions that kids ask in between that, right? In addition to that, she was preparing dinner for that night for when we get home and start to eat. She'd already unloaded and loaded the dishwasher, maybe done a load of laundry, um, maybe folded some laundry. Everybody hates folding laundry, right? We got like a stack of it, right? She's done all these things But right before I come home, our two-year-old loses his mind. Remember Tiny Destroyer? So he's like pulling all the books out of the, throwing them on the floor just because our dog has found the rope toy and he's ripping that to shreds. So there's just shreds of rope everywhere. And then my five-year-old who can barely reach the refrigerator, you know, like water spigot is pouring it out and she can't see the top. So water's just pouring out all over the floor. And I come in and I'm like, man, what a mess, right? What I'm doing is I'm reinforcing the lies that the enemy has been whispering to my wife about not being a good enough husband or wife and and mom to her family. Our words matter and sometimes our words and our actions feed those lies. So we have to be aware of our influence and aware of the actions that we have and how it influences how other people view themselves and Jesus. We have to be aware of that. The last thing I have for you is this. I need to be intentional with my time. I think we all agree that time is something that slips away and we, we can't get it back, right? We, 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 we can't buy more time. So, so we have to be really intentional with the time that we do have. For a lot of us, it's you know, just, just trying to figure out how we do that. Parents, 
We have approximately 936 weeks from the time our kids are born until the time they graduate high school. 936 weeks, 936 Saturday mornings, hanging out, eating cereal, watching cartoons. That's like, what, 15 first days of school? Guys, this isn't like to scare you. This is just to make us aware that like, we don't have much time. What are we doing with the time that we have in their most formative years as they are growing? When our kids run into the room to ask us a question, are they being greeted by the back of our phones? Or do they have our attention there in the moment? Now hear me say this, kids have horrible timing, right? Like, I won't hear from my kids for like hours. And the second I start having a conversation with my wife or a neighbor, I get on the phone, they're like, hey, daddy, 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 guess what? Like normally it's like, you know, to tell me something that their sibling did to annoy them or, um, you know, they wanna tell me about their day in school. Even though when I asked them about their day in school, when they got off the bus, they were just like, yeah, you know, didn't wanna talk. Sometimes it can be frustrating or come off as rude, but, but I try my best to make those moments of, of, of teaching, to show them that, hey, hey, you know, it's okay to come to me. Just like I can go to God anytime I want. I want my kids to know they can come to me no matter what. If every time they come to me and I'm just like, hey, not right now, daddy's talking. Hey, 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 go play, not, not right now, daddy's busy. What, what I'm communicating to them is, hey, daddy's too busy to talk to you right now. What daddy's doing now is more important than you or anything that you have to tell me. And again, there's exceptions to this, right? There are moments where it's inappropriate to interrupt conversations, but, but what I try to do is just be like, you know, finish the, the, the sentence that I'm in or allow the other person to finish and, and just excuse myself, hey, hey, excuse me for one second. And I, I look down and I make eye contact with my kid and be like, hey, sweetie, is this an emergency or, or is this something that can wait? And if it were an emergency, you know, we'd already be hearing screams. And so normally they're like, oh, it, it can wait, it's okay, daddy. I'm like, okay, great. I, I, I want you to know, I, I wanna hear what you have to say. What you have to say is important but I'm in the middle of a conversation. Can, can we just pick this up here in just a moment? And when I do that, two things have happened. One, I'm communicating that they're not less of a person because of their age. They matter, they're important, they have a purpose. And I'm also reinforcing that what they have to say matters and I actually want to hear about it. Because I, I need them to, to, to have this confidence in themselves and in the fact that they know that they can come to me with anything. There's tons of different parenting strategies and styles out there. And I'm certainly no child behaviorist. I'm not smart enough to be a psychiatrist or psychologist and all of that. There's some great parenting books out there. But the point is, is if we don't teach them one way or another that it's okay for those to come to us in those moments, it, they're gonna stop coming to us at all. And it may seem harmless when all they wanna do is come to us and tell us that, hey, their baby doll is sleeping on the bed. Like, okay, great. But, but what if it's when, when, when something happens in school and they wanna come tell us about how something happened that made them feel uh, less about themselves? Or maybe when they're teenagers, when they're struggling with comparison and their identity or, or depression or anxiety, like it's gonna be hard for them to come to us in those moments either way. But if and all they can remember is the past is daddy or mommy has told them to, hey, hold on, not right now. What makes them think that it would be any different now? We have to be available and intentional with our time. And we see this uh, all throughout scripture. Like, I love how the disciples are always like assuming people are distracting Jesus. Like, hey, not right now, he's talking or, you know what I mean? Like there's people always coming up to Jesus and, and he never saw them as distractions, but as opportunities to teach them more about themselves and about himself. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus has just gotten to Judea and, and scripture says there was a large crowd that was following him 
he was asked about divorce. And so my man is in the middle of teaching about marriage and divorce. And then in chapter 19, verse 13, it says, then children were brought to him that he may lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. The disciples are like, hey, time out. Don't you hear Jesus talking? Why are you interrupting him? But look how Jesus responded. He said, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Jesus is saying, hey, they're no less important than anything I have to say. In fact, just the chapter before, he was like, hey, y'all should be more like children. You should have that childlike faith. And then the next chapter, the disciples are like, hey, get those kids out of here. Like, right? Like, what, what's going on? Like, we've got to be intentional with our time. Some of the things that our family does that, and how we're intentional is we have family dinner together every night. It, it may be a meal that we've cooked. It may be Chick-fil-A. It may be leftovers, right? It might be ice cream for dinner. Y'all don't hate on us. Sometimes we just, we just need a break. Like, sure, eat ice cream, but we do it together. Maybe it's a walk around the, the neighborhood or, or a trip to the library or to the park. But my favorite times are at night before bed where we're reading a Bible story and we're praying. And, and those are just... Those are just such sweet, innocent moments. Yeah. And it, your day doesn't have to look like that. Figure it out for yourself. Like everybody has different hobbies and things that they like to do as families. The point is, is to find moments where you're being intentional with your time with your children. I'll switch gears a little. How are we spending time with our spouse? Are we intentional about the things that we do when we're with them? And I can't tell you how many times I mess this up. We'll, we'll get the kids in bed, it's late. We're tired, it's been a long day. Hannah's tired, I'm tired. Gotta finish the dishes, clean the house up a little bit, get ready for the next day, pack lunches. But oftentimes all in the, the name of, man, I just need to zone out for a minute. I just pick up my phone and I start scrolling. And I'm in the zone, y'all. Like once I pick up my phone and just start scrolling, you know, I'm laughing at videos and watching dumb things on the internet, you know, and every now and then I'll hear my wife say, hey. And it's like back to reality. It's like, oh man, how long have I been out, you know? And that, it's like this sweet innocent, hey, like, hey, how you doing? I'm still here. And every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll be the one to look up from my phone and we're both in the same room together, but we're both just scrolling on our phones. Like how often are we in the same room, but not engaged with one another? Now I get not every time, every second, every moment of the day, we need to be like engaged in some like crazy, spiritual, deep conversation. But at the end of the day, if I'm engaging more with my phone than I am engaging with my wife, I am missing the mark so, so much. If decompressing at the end of the day doesn't involve my wife where I can just be like, hey, what did your day look like? How was your day? How, how was your soul? Can, how can I pray for you? Hey, here, here's how my day was. Let me, let me tell you about this thing that happened. If I'm being completely honest, guys, I, I'm not good at this like at all. So this isn't coming from, from a, a place of experience or saying, hey, I'm doing this and you're not doing it right. This is, this is coming from a place of conviction from the Holy Spirit and the assumption and the hope that I'm not alone in this, right? Hopefully I'm not the only one messing this up, right? Like I, I believe that a lot of times we have the greatest intentions, but we're still not being intentional with our time. If we're not being intentional with the time we have together, then we're gonna begin to have this wedge that wedges us apart. The enemy creeps in and continues to feed us those lies. Our families are a direct representation of the gospel of Jesus. Are we leaning into that? Are we, are we using that to our advantage, to, to advance his kingdom? Are we allowing transformation in our life? Are we are being aware of our influence? Are we, are we being intentional with our time? The last thing I have for you is that 
we can't love our spouse and our kids the way Jesus wants us to if we don't first have a relationship with him. Sure, we can, we can be good spouses. We can even be great parents, but that's not the goal. The goal is to help encourage our, our families and the people that we love to be more like Jesus, to grow closer to him, to experience him for themselves. And we can't do that if we don't have a relationship with him. We can't point to somewhere and give them directions if we don't know where we're going, right? So here, here in this moment with, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, if you've, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and accept him into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, I wanna invite you to do that. I'm gonna pray this prayer and, and guys, nobody prays alone. So you can, you can say this with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you so I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, can you stand to your feet and celebrate with those who made decisions today? Yeah, so good. And maybe, maybe uh, you're, you're more like me. Maybe you've already made that decision and, and you have a relationship with Jesus, but, but man, you've, you've just been kind of going through the motions lately. Maybe you haven't truly been allowing or preparing your heart for transformation. Maybe, maybe you're not aware or you haven't been leveraging the influence that you have in a way that points people to Jesus. And maybe you've just not been really intentional with your time. And so for here for a moment, if that's you, um, I just wanna invite you to just to lift your hands up. Cause guys, I promise we're not alone in this. Just, I mean, we can close our eyes. We can, we can bow our heads. We can, I wanna pray for you. I, I wanna just make sure that we leave here changed. We leave here different because I want the, the Holy Spirit to invite us to, to, to just experience him in a new and a fresh way. So God, we come before you today in desperate need of your love and your grace, and your compassion and your strength and your courage. God, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice, whether here in person or online, would just move themselves aside and, and be willing to, to lay down their own desires, Lord, to pick up that cross and to allow you to transform their hearts in a way that brings them closer to you and reflects you for the world to see. God, I pray that, that we would all be aware of our influence that we have, Lord. Help us to leverage our influence in a way that advances your kingdom for the greater good of your glory, not for our own sake, Lord, but for God, lastly, we pray that, that every person in here would, would be aware and intentional with their time as it relates to their family and those that they love. Help them understand, Lord, that, that pointing people to you and, and, and um, being more like you is far greater than anything else they can do in this world. So Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together to hear from you this morning. God, thank you for your love and your grace that you extend to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.church/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.